me just take a second and pray before we dive into the, the word here. Uh, Lord, uh, we love you. Love your presence. Love the sense of intimacy that we have with you. We confess honestly, it even makes us uncomfortable sometimes that it feels like you're, you're so close. You're seeing all the stuff we don't want you to see, but, uh, but we invite you anyway to push through our comfort zone, push past the boundaries. We just ask that as we engage your word this morning that it would transform us, that it would uh, make us new. Uh, we don't come to get uh, a good feeling or a quick fix here, Lord. We, we come really to be changed by you, to be made more like you. And so we just open ourselves up to that. Lord, we approach uh, your word honestly, uh, confessing our brokenness and, uh, and confessing that uh, we need you to, to pour yourself out. And we, and we remember what you've done in the past too, Lord. We remember that you have done so many amazing things. And so much of uh, your work in our lives is accomplished, but we just say we want more, Lord. We love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Cool. So as we, uh, as we do this message, I just want to share a little bit of, uh, of maybe background on, on uh, how, how I'm speaking on this and why I'm speaking on this. Because the text that we're going to use, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, is a text that's typically used uh, to sort of teach on, on financial giving. How to inspire your church to give financially. This is one of the main texts that people would use. Um, when I was felt, well, felt drawn to that text, uh, just, just for the record, I wasn't feeling any sense of a need to preach on finance or, or giving, but there's something going on in my heart around that that, uh, that I felt like God was speaking to. So this isn't the big giving sermon. You didn't all like miss the opportunity to dodge that bullet. I promise you, uh, if I'm going to do the big giving sermon, I will sneak attack you on a Sunday when it's really high attendance. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's the master plan for that one. Uh, but, uh, um, and, and I would do like a more thorough teaching on, on what we believe about tithing, what I believe about tithing and, and all that. So this isn't meant to be that. But what I think the Lord is trying to really get at in my heart is, uh, is, is something about the way I process decisions around uh, how I give, not just of my money, but of my time and of my energy. How many of you feel like sometimes uh, when, when you have opportunities to give, like you're just like, I don't know if I have any margin to give. I just don't really feel like I have anything. I, I, I'm depleted. Um, that's a place where, you know, Anna and I have been lots and lots uh, in ministry. Uh, there are lot, there's, there's a time, even this week, you know, we may be in the week, in course of a given week, we'll have three or four nights where we'll have people over and we'll wrestle with, you know what, we, we just, we want to invite this person over, but we, we just can't, like, we, we just don't have the food in the house to pull it off right now. And so you're wrestling with, okay, what do I do? Do I sell, you know, do I sell my wristwatch or or something to put my firstborn child or a kidney or something to, to have these friends over for dinner. It, it really is, in, in, some, in some ways, it comes down to a really practical wrestle of, of what, can I, what can I do? How can I serve? How can I give? And, and in our society, in our culture, we, we often have a, a, a kind of a poverty mentality that, that just looks at the numbers and looks at the the dollars and looks at the time and looks at all of that in a very, very natural way, in a very practical way that 
that's good, but uh, whenever Paul talks about it in the scriptures or, or somebody teaches about how we give and how we share and how we live, uh, they're not talking purely practically at all. They're talking about something that is, that is much more to the heart of us as people than it is to the dollars and cents of can we afford to do this or can we not afford to do this. And for me, uh, that was the button that God was pressing this week. Uh, not uh, not uh, anything other than, like, do you trust me that you have something to give? Do you trust me that I will, I will supply for you? And it's getting to that issue of, of trust that, uh, that I felt like the Lord was really uh, hitting home with me this week. So let me just read the text and we'll, we'll try to unpack it a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses, or sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 to 14. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Everybody give me a big smile. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So Paul opens up this discussion, maybe just to put it in context, he's actually going out and about through all the churches that he's planted in Asia, and he's realizing that the church in Jerusalem uh, is is struggling financially. They're under some financial duress. Uh, As you know, that from the time Jesus was crucified, the church began to grow in Jerusalem and began to spread out throughout the Roman world, and Paul has planted a number of these Gentile churches. And one of the common themes through a whole bunch of Paul's writing and letters uh, to different churches, and and we see uh, that story in the book of Acts, is Paul uh, going out there and and essentially collecting a giant offering to take back to head office in Jerusalem. So he sees a need there, and he's saying, you know, you Gentiles, you've received something awesome from the Lord, uh, but now those people that it all started with, they're kind of struggling, so we want to just take some money and, and go and help them out. And so that's what he's doing, that's the context, he's encouraging people to do that, and part of his argument, part of his case for that, that giving to those folks uh, starts with this, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, one, that's just uh, some good wisdom for living, something great to, to 
that any farmer knows, uh, where I put the seed in the field, that's where the crops are going to grow. And if I don't put seed in the field, the crops aren't going to grow. Right? But, but doesn't that, when, it, when, it, when you hear, and, and often I've heard this, this preached uh, in, in sermons that are sort of directed to, hey, drum the church up and take an offering. Um, doesn't that sometimes, doesn't that feel like a little bit like legalism, the way you've heard that preached before? Does it feel a little bit like uh, this is there's something there's something not right about it when 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 the pastor says that there's something there's something kind of kind of wrong about it um, and and what we know of course about Paul and who he is is that nothing he says is without a context of the grace of God it's not outside of the context of the love and grace of God in fact uh, there's there's other passages in Scripture where we see this. This idea, uh, in Galatians 6, 7, this is Paul speaking, a man reaps what he sows, God cannot be mocked. Right? He, he's saying, okay, so there's the grace of God, and the book of Galatians is Paul's book on the grace of God. Uh, and, and in that book, he's saying, okay, so receive the grace of God, but remember, God, God's paying attention. If you're just uh, receiving the grace and then going out and doing whatever the heck you want, then you haven't actually received the grace. So Paul's saying there's, a, there's an outflow in your lives of, of what I'm doing that will result in, in grace. So there's, there's a connection that's going on, but it's not legalism. It's not how we get close to God. It's not how we make him love us more. Uh, it's, yeah, in, in Proverbs 22 and Hosea chapter 10, you've planted wickedness, wickedness so you'll reap destruction. You've planted wickedness so you'll reap reap destruction so there's a cause and effect a thing that paul is bringing uh, us to attention bringing to our attention but it's all within the context of love and grace he goes on in verse 7 says each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver so this is how he sort of balances that out uh, he wants us to look at uh, this question of reaping and sowing and he wants us all to pour out our lives and give generously of ourselves in a way that re- that produces great fruit. He, he loves fruit. All over the scriptures we talk about harvest. We talk about great fruit. Uh, but what he's pointing us to is this question of, of what is in your heart. So all of a sudden he's not saying, sow out of what is in your wallet. He's saying, now, now let's bring this back to what I'm really after here. I, I, I'm after your heart. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. So he's saying, let that decision-making process for you be something that happens internally in relationship with me, out of the relationship of grace you've received. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. So not because you don't have enough, not because somebody is telling you to do it, but out of your relationship with me, uh, give. For God loves a cheerful giver. And clearly the path to cheerful giving is giving out of relationship, isn't it? It's getting, giving out a friendship and relationship with God. So Paul goes on. He says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And it's interesting, in our English translation, we have, and God is able to bless you abundantly. And when we hear that phrase, bless you abundantly, uh, we immediately think God is able to give me lots of money. Right? <laughs> That's kind of what we think, and hey, I'd take some of that. That sounds okay. I can live with that. We just stop right there. That'd be just fine. I could use a little bit of cash, a little cash flow. End of month is coming, and like you guys, uh, I'm struggling, I'm sure. Um, and so uh, God can bless you abundantly, but the word here, bless, is actually the word for grace. 
charis, the same word that we have, the gifts of the Spirit. The same word that we have, uh, these gifts that are just undeserved merit and favor of God. But the gift of God, the grace of God. So God is able to grace you abundantly. And then this promise, I, I don't even know what to, what to say. It doesn't feel like how I'm living all the time. But we'll explain it in a second. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Does that sound like your situation? Does that feel like your situation right now? Do you all times have all things you need? All things, all times, all that you need? Often we don't feel like that, right? We feel impoverished. We feel poor. But Paul quotes then from elsewhere in the scriptures. He says, they've freely scattered their gifts to the poor. They give everything away to the poor. Their bank accounts endure forever. Is that what it says in the text? No, it says, their righteousness endures forever. Paul's again pointing us toward the heart. We give all things to, to the poor, and somehow we're transformed and made more like Christ through this. Somehow we're, we're, we're made new. So what's the connection in this text between verse 8 and verse 9? God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. So you freely give to the poor and you get back righteousness. What's our primary need? Righteousness. <laughs> Being made more like Jesus. Right? He's, he's, he's so after our hearts, so much more uh, than he's, he's after our money. And for me, this is what I was really wrestling with, with this week. Not particularly about money. In my case this week, I was wrestling more around the concept of time, though, though money is always a, a struggle for us. We know really what that feels like. But uh, it's like, somehow I'm going to be transformed through this. That this isn't about how many hours I have in the day. It's about who God is making me to be. It's about who he's, he's making me to be. So as I wrestle with a decision, do I call and offer to help with this or help with that or to take that call or to make that appointment? It's not about whether I have space in my schedule for it. It's about how is God going to change me through this? How is he going to change me? And then, and then when, when the question is about how God is going to change me through this, then my priorities shift as I'm doing my scheduling. Don't they? Because I will choose the thing that will transform me over the thing that, that seems like it might just feel good or just be fun sometimes, right? I'll choose the, the transformative event, the transformative encounter, the thing that makes me new. So God is after that. And we see this exact thought, and it's so much easier to see in, in the Greek New Testament than it is to see in, in our English translations. But uh, what, what Paul is really connecting here to is Jesus. Don't worry about what you eat or what you drink, about what you wear in Matthew 6. Uh, your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. It's about seeking his righteousness before we seek the stuff. And then he goes on, Paul, just, just to add some comfort in verse 10. He, he just reminds us of the big picture 
about our resources of time and, and money. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also uh, supply or will also supply and increase your store. And we'll just go on to the rest of the verse in a second. But, but what he's saying here is God is supplying seed to the sower and he's supplying bread for food. God is supplying the whole food chain from the seed before it's put in the ground to the bread that's the final product. We look at what we're giving and we look at our time and we look at our energy as, a, as, as kind of a closed system, as a closed ecosystem, as a, as a finite resource. But, but Paul is making it really clear that God is constantly pouring into those things. God is constantly pouring into those. That, that when we go back to verse uh, 6 and remember, whoever sows sparingly uh, will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. That decision is based not on your closed system, but it's based on the Lord's ability to input into the system. It's based on his generosity. He supplies all of that. And, and, and what's the harvest that we receive at the end of this sowing? He's back to the exact same thing. And he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He will enlarge the harvest of the way that this transforms you. He will, he will change who you are. And, and, the way he, and the way he does it, it always grows us. It always grows our capacity. The more we give, the more we trust in his pouring in, the more that we have to give. The generosity uh, feeds it. And, and this, is, this is what he's saying as we go on to verse 11. So as you do this, as you sow towards your righteousness, you'll be enriched in every way. So you can be in generous on every occasion. And that, that word enriched there is added to numerically is what that means in the Greek. You'll be added to numerically. It's a word that, means plutso, that says plutsomenai, which means plus more, basically. Yeah, everything will, will, will be added numerically. Your time will somehow be multiplied. And have you guys ever experienced that where you think you just have no time to do anything and no energy to do anything, but you decide to do that thing that you, you didn't think you could do and, and you happen to do it and you happen to not be dead at the end? Because we, we step out in faith and, and do those things. We step out and give and do those things. I mean, I've told this story probably five or ten times over the years of the church. Who knows who's heard it and who hasn't. But uh, my, my, it's, just, it's just one of those perfect stories. My, my grandfather, a uh, wonderful, wonderful man, my wife and I were pastoring out in Saskatchewan uh, for the first time, uh, our, our first church. It was time to pack it in, time to go home. We were quite impoverished out there. We were having a really, really hard time. And we had to get back from Saskatoon to Ottawa. And we had like 250 bucks. That's probably enough fuel to go in our little diesel car if we don't eat too much. Right, and these kids come up to the door uh, at at Grandpa's house, and uh, and they're like, "We're going on a missions trip, and we want to uh, to uh, to raise some money. We're selling this wrapping paper, wrapping paper fundraiser." And my my grandfather gives them a little bit of money, and and then sends them away. And I just hear him just sort of grumbling, like, oh, 
why did these kids have to go like, like to Africa? <laughs> like, like, what a bother. You know, just kind of a funny little little attitude in his heart and, and just, you know, quirky grandfather, much love and respect for him. Prayed for me every day of, of, of his life. Like, so much love for grandpa, but just that funny little quirk. And so I remember he shooed these kids off and uh, I went out the side door and I gave our 250 bucks to these kids. So now we're sitting zero dollars for a trip back from Saskatoon to Ottawa. And I come around to back in the front door and there's grandpa who hands me $500. Right? Come on. The Lord will do that again and again and again. But as we pour ourselves out in generosity, if we give away our last and give away our best, the Lord will help us. The Lord will help us. He will do it and he'll grow our capacity to give. And it says this, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Like Paul is saying, and through us, so you give this money to us, we'll take it to Jerusalem, and the result will be that there will be praise to God. Right? The purpose of our generosity, the purpose of our giving, the purpose of our service is not just to accomplish a task, is to result in gratitude expressed toward God. That is the goal. That is the whole goal of our giving and generosity. It's worship. It's worship of the holy God. It transforms us and results in praise and gratitude to God. I think that, Salome, I think this should be our mission statement for our board at OVV. How does this sound? To administer the finances of OVV in such a way that it will result in the praise of God will result in the praises of God, the worship of God, gratitude toward God, that it's all about bringing glory to him. It's all about lifting him up. As we're transformed, he's lifted up. It says this in verse 12, the service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So not only do you base your decision on more than the closed ecosystem that is the finances and the time that you have in the bank, the result is not just in the practical world. The result of your generosity is in praise to God and expression of thanks to God. The result of your generosity is worship. The result of your generosity is worship. And we see that even, even just in the structure of the language in the beginning of verse 12. See those two words, this service that you perform? It's kind of a wooden, wooden way of saying it, isn't it? It's two, two kind of words, service and perform. It sounds very, very perfunctory. You perform this service for God. I have performed my service for you, Lord. Mission accomplished. Right? It's much, much more than this. The service, that word is, yes, this is an administration. This is an administration that you perform for God. But that word perform is the word from which we get the word liturgy. Liturgio. A word speaking. A holy ministry. And, and it's something sacred. So this service that I perform the service that I sacredly 
give. That it's meant to be worship from our hearts, from the moment we give, from the moment we make a decision to serve, from the moment we make a decision uh, to, to pour out our finances. The service is worship. It's a liturgy. It's praise. It's a flowing forth of the word of God. And because of this service, and now that word there still is that liturgia word, and because of this sacred giving of God's word, God's transformation, by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. So they're praising God because they can see that what you say about Jesus is how you act about Jesus. That our giving is an expression of having been saved. Our giving is an expression of having been transformed. Our giving is an expression of uh, people who are under grace. And so we give out of grace. Uh, What we say about Jesus matches with what we do about Jesus. And then, of course, thanks for your generosity and sharing with them and everybody else, right? So you accomplish the practical purpose and you accomplish the spiritual purpose. And their prayers for you, and this is like a little bonus that Paul wants to remind us of, and their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. And again, the word grace. You want to inspire some intercessory prayer for yourself? (laughs) Right? People, people, people pray for you. It's not meant to be a cause and effect. You know, I'll give you some cash. I'll, I'll, I'll spend a couple extra hours on my knees for you. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. But the result of, of our generosity is that, that relationship is built, isn't it? Their hearts go to you. That, it's, it's, that there's a relationship building that happens in it. But it's not because of the gift, it's because of the surpassing grace. It's because of that transformation. Again, that grace is the word charis, that freely given, undeserved gift. And then he just closes it. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift of a system by which God pours into us something that we can constantly pour into others so that he can pour into us so that we are transformed and so that he is worshipped. And that's the process. That is the process. He pours into us, we pour into others, our hearts are transformed, and he is worshipped and praised, and we get poured into more and more. And it's a cycle, isn't it? It's a cycle, it's a cycle. But what makes that cycle work is simply this, the sowing of the seed. We have to sow these seeds. If we sow generously, we will reap generously. And that is the indescribable gift and the indescribable grace. Please stand. I'm just going to invite you to just, I'm just going to let there be a moment of silence uh, as we, uh, as we uh, just minister to one another here for a moment. Uh, every one of us, no matter how rich we are or how poor we are, uh, we experience moments of feeling impoverished. 
We experience moments of, of not having enough. And so what I want to pray here that happens is supernaturally is that we will become aware of God's heart to pour into us. That he supplies the whole ecosystem, that he supplies the whole food chain. I want us to just connect with the generosity of God. An image that's used in the, in the scriptures um, is um, he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he owns all of it. He has it all. It's all his. And so there's a, there's a need to just connect with that for our faith to be built up, for us to understand that he wants to help. And for some of this, this is something we feel quite acutely. I feel it acutely as month end comes, and I don't know where the dollars are coming from. Some of you are in that, in that exact space. But I ask, Lord, that we would see the generosity of you as Father. That we would know your generosity, God. Would you just move, Holy Spirit, in this room? And would you show anyone who's doubting, would you show them that you are a good, good Father? You are a good, good father. That you love them. We remember, Jesus, you teaching about this, that if we would ask you for bread, you wouldn't give us a stone. If we would ask you for fish, you wouldn't give us a scorpion. We, we come to see the goodness and generosity of God. We trust you to show us that, Lord. Any of us who have wounds in our hearts from uh, bad experiences with our, with our earthly parents, come and minister, God. And would you show each one of us what are the seeds that we actually have that we can sow? And what are the seeds that you want to give us that we can sow of our time and our finances? Of our hearts, of our prayer. But as we sow, would you connect us with your true purpose? your purpose to transform us, to bring about righteousness in us, that that would be the harvest we seek. And then we would seek to inspire gratitude and worship in others. We live for your purpose, God. We live for your purpose. We love you.